Just a little bit in the background there. God damn, that's nice. We don't hear enough for the Moody Blues anymore. Well, that's my opinion. Okay, I'm trying to control my breath because I can hear it really loud. And I know it bothers Tom, Fog Tom out in Windsor there. He just goes nuts when he hears me breathing like this. So i got to be very careful. Um, yeah. Welcome, Dixon Jane's new podcast. I guess this is, is it 9.39? I think so. Yeah. The Panandromic Wonder! I'm at Wuffers Park. I've got earbuds in. I'm not used to it. Remember I the last one's busted, and I went online, found a deal, and then Amazon said, hey, I'll give you free uh, Amazon, what is it, Prime, for a month, and you can quit any time, and that would be free shipping. So we got these little babies, a pair of Ludos, I guess, all made in China, but they sound pretty good to me. And in the package, nice little package, it was next day delivery. So I ordered it in the afternoon, I've got it the next afternoon. I mean, that's pretty damn amazing. And... Um, they sent in an extra spare pair, a little gift, and they come in a nice little gift bag. And So anyway, I'm pretty happy about that. So now I can actually hear myself. Uh, but what I'm hearing is, um, well, bing, bing, bing from my uh, phone. I'm going to ignore that for now. And my, my taking my breath, it's just too fucking loud. Maybe I'll turn down the volume a bit. No, oh, I just checked out. Sorry, the because I got the engine shut off. Here we go. We'll leave it at that. High sensitivity, low cut off. Yeah, should be okay. I'm drinking a cup of herbal tea. It's a mulled apple herbal tea. Now, how am I doing that at Buffers Park? Well, that's because I'm sitting in Sal. And Sal has a microwave to heat up water. And... I'm not plugged in, but perfect time to test out the uh, generator, the Onan generator. Hey, does it fire up? And it took a few tries, and it fired up, and you give it a minute, and then the, the light goes on in the microwave. Hey, all systems go, buddy. What do you want? 
So that was a treat. Heated up some water for a couple of minutes. I'm drinking out of my um, camping cup. Melko got it for me. She found it, I guess, at uh, you know one of these recycle shops. It's it's kind of nice. Got a little fire and some deck chairs and a couple of trailers and a van and you know trees and snow on mountains and everything you see when you're camping. Ah, oh. so this is a treat. Um, I, I'm trying to, if you're following my progress, I'm trying to challenge myself to something new every day, or, you know, a few a week anyway. And uh, so today was, all right, get Sal out. Now, the reason for this was there was a concert booked for this weekend, last night and all day today from 2 o'clock till about 9 or so at um, the next station over from us, um... And I always forget, not Port Union, uh, the one before that, anyway. Uh, Guildwood. Guildwood Go Station. And they had, so I drove by last night with my wife, and we looked, and oh, I got stage set up, and some, you know, a couple of caterers selling stuff. But it was cold last night. So um, she went home, I came back. And it was just too damn cold to listen to the music with the ear, you know, with the wind. You need your windows open, all the good spots right next to the band, or very close to it, were taken. So, you know, it just, it was not concert weather. It was nasty and cold. So I checked, chucked it, chucked it in, chucked it in, and I went home and watched Jeopardy with my son. And uh, went back today, quarter to two. Figuring I'd get the prime spot. Well, I had the only spot. The best spot, the only spot, because there was nobody there because there was no concert. The weather is absolutely fucking nasty. Uh, wind, rain, and cold. And um, it's letting up a bit now. I see the rain has stopped. And... You, you, they, had, they had no choice. I mean, nobody's going to be standing out. And I'm thinking, why did you plan... A concert sort of for the uh, the end of March in Ontario, an outdoor concert. You know, I mean, you could have you could have got lucky and had a, a nice patch, but generally you're not going to get that. So there you go. Let me get back to my tea. So I figured, well, I'm not going to waste the day. I mean, and the idea was I was going to spend the whole day in the saddle. You know, it's going to be cozy and comfy and listen to the music, roll down the windows, roll them up, turn on the heater, do whatever I need to do to stay comfy and warm in the cell. But also just get the idea this is the first time since having the uh, the leg problems that have taken Sal out. And that's very important to me psychologically because I want to know I can still go camping this summer. And this was the first little test run. So I drove there, I drove to Port Union, I drove to my old church, and now I'm in Bluffers with my herbal tea. And that was a, that was just a little bonus. I'm sitting here and thinking, hey, it's cold. You know, I didn't stop at Tim's or uh, anything on the way back. And I realized, no, I don't need to. I got a full supply of tea and food and snacks and everything right here in Sal. So this is, this is kind of special to me, all right? Can I, can I, can you, can you give me that? This is my special time. Even though it's a shitty day, I'm in my regular parking spot, watching the water come in, and it's rough. It's rough. Uh, not many people around, believe me. Even the birds aren't happy. Uh, but I am. I'm content here, and uh, now I know I can do it. It feels com- It always feels comfortable when I drive this baby. 
So it's uh, soon going to be time to get it dewinterized. And again, I can't do that myself. I just all the bending and so on. I even had my son unplug it and stole the cord for me. And uh, when I leave, when I get home, I'm going to call him up and uh, say, would you mind plugging me in? I wrestled the, um, my, uh, I was going to say manipulator. Manipulator? That, I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all, but I'm looking for a new word to describe my four-wheeler. A manipulator? Why? Why? What's the connection? There is none. Manipulate. It's a leader. It's a rollator. Manipulator. I kind of like it, but I, it, you know, it's, I don't think I'm going to be able to sell that one as a name. Anyway, I kind of had to wrestle it in through the driver's door and over the steering wheel and so on because I, I couldn't. I'd have to go onto my neighbor's lawn to get into the side door. <coughs> but in future, that's that's how I will enter. Um, and just easy enough now. It's lying on the deck back there, and when I get home, wrestle it out somehow and. Uh, Bob's your uncle. Ah, so, yeah, here we are. I've been charging my phone. I've got, oh yeah, one more thing I asked my son to do. He said, Dan, there's, um, i got three Playboy magazines on the floor of the basement beside my chair. Sorry, that was an accident. Uh, can you bring those up? I want those in the road track. And I don't know what he thinks of his father needing to have Playboy magazines in his road track, but uh, believe me, it is for the stories, and it ain't for the pictures. I'm not even attracted to any of these girls. They never really did much for me. Um, Mark sent a message. Um, thanks for I got the same feeling and reported. Good, okay. I got a... There was a, somebody... I'm going to throw this out there. Nobody will remember Ted Reakin, but he was at the very... Mark Bravis would know. Uh, he was at the very first PAB... From out west, from uh, Vancouver, maybe Vancouver Island even, I think, yeah. And did a a wonderful podcast. I can't remember the name. And uh, today, out of the blue, I got a, hello, how are you, Uh, trying to connect with me on Instagram. And Ted wouldn't normally do that. Ted was a very mature man. He was a university teacher, lecturer. He's a guy who did wonderful things about, like, repairing something on his car, and he would just take you through it. It was a really classy podcast. I have a T-shirt from it. The name might come back to me. Um, anyway, um, so suddenly I get this connection, and it just sounded, it didn't sound like Ted's voice. Hi, how are you doing? No, Ted's not casual like that. So I said, uh, gee, how do I know this is the real Ted? Um, I still got your T-shirt. What uh, what was your show called? And of course, the answer back is LOL. You know, uh, sure, it's me. Uh, he asked, "Why? Why am I asking?" I said, "Well, because if you don't answer, I know you're a scumbag, and I'm going to report you." And so I did. And then I noticed that two other friends, uh, Mark Basicki, and um, um, somebody else, had also become friends with him. So tipped them off. And uh, Mark did the same thing, also reported him. So there you go. All right. Here's a little uh, joke as I'm flipping through. I sent this to uh, Jason in Tennessee. Um, the wife, husband and wife in bed. The wife says, honey, please wake up our son. And the next picture shows supposedly the same man holding his son by the neck. You know, it's got his collar scrunched up. And it reads... 
Life is meaningless. Nothing you do matters. You are just one individual among a species of primate with billions of relatives living on a tiny rock in the middle of nowhere. And um, I kind of like that. Jason liked it too. There you go. He says it's a good reality check. Sure is. All right, so now I, I, I'll check and see. I don't know. Do you need Do you need me to refer to my notes to see if we actually have a topic? I'm just trying to just get kind of warmed up and get going here, but I see I've already used up 12 minutes of uh, your time. China using racism as a cover for infiltration. It's a news story today. There's a big, you know, I'm not, it's so, it's such an exhausting, exhaustive, maybe, story on China interfering with elections and and the you know the secret police here reporting one thing and the government saying no in denial and and so on and it's hard to know on another chinese person who was reported denying the whole thing and crying on camera because he was dishonored and um, it's not true that he had secret conversations with the Chinese consulate saying, don't free the two Canadian hostages. Oh, my God, that is a real... Boy, if there's any truth to that. Um, anyway, just a lot of nonsense, but it's not nonsense. It is the very real story of how other countries try and influence each other's elections. And, and the idea they're talking about, of course... Um, uh, what is it? Zigzag, you know the uh, the one where everybody dances. Um, and <laughs> no, I'm I'm not kidding. When I come up with a name like Zigzag, I know that's not the name, but I can't think. You know, Dig Dag, Ding Dong, TikTok. There we go. <laughs> you gotta admit, I was in the ballpark. Um, anyway. Like banning it from federal government officials because the Chinese government has access to any information. And, uh, you know, all this shit that's going on that I guess people could be alarmed about and stirred up at. And maybe that's the point, you know, keep people in fear. Um, That's rain on the roof, by the way. It's kind of nice. And my herbal tea is, boy, this was just a thing to find the right cup and the right tea and talk to you. Uh, so anyway, I'm not. it's so much to get into um, that I'm not going to. Uh, Biden's visit yesterday, it was, seen, it was a very positive visit. Everybody loved him and he loved us. And uh, boy, what a difference from that fucking pig of uh, a previous president. Uh, anyway... That was um, that. W- that was nice. It was just some positive vibes, and I guess they say Trudeau held his own. No, we're not sending all our troops over to Haiti. Not yet. Uh, America wants us to help out in Haiti because we speak French. Uh, but uh, you know that you just can't send people in, and uh, because they're fighting gangs, it's a horrible, horrible situation. Uh, here's a story that really bothers me a lot: uh, Toronto police. Um, in the largest drug takedown, this just this happened a while back. It collapsed. Um, apparently, they made allegations. There are allegations that investigators misled a judge about a key player 
in an attempt to obtain a wiretap warrant. And the judge for the defense of these about 16 people, I think, said uh, this was a a fragrant and unacceptable move and uh, accounted to fraudulent non-disclosure and therefore the case is thrown out. Now this is this was huge. This is amphetamines, this was guns, this is you know, these are the same people who are often involved in human trafficking and so on. Everybody gets off because of fucking scumbag lawyers. Lawyers and I know, I know, defensive lawyers, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Hey, you made a mistake. But how can when you know they're guilty, when it's true, you just have to look at the fuckers and somebody can find a technicality to let them all go free. That really bothers me. And I don't want to do like despots do, you know, well, kill them anyway, throw them out the window, shoot them, whatever. No, no, I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for a little, well, I don't know what I'm asking for, uh, justice. And that's not justice, freeing people that you, you have proof, but because of one particular aspect. Like, that's that's taking the law and sort of twisting it to work. And this is why the rich never go to jail, because they can just outlawyer the uh, people, you know, accusing them and get off with almost anything. And that's just that just ain't right. But... Why fret about it on the Dixon Jane's podcast? It, it bothers me when I read stories like that. It bothers me. But is it really something I need to share with you? Um, here's the here are the background of it. It nettled it, that nettled sixty one million dollars in cocaine, methamphetamines, and other contraband fell apart suddenly in Toronto downtown courtroom earlier this month after Crown prosecutors stayed scores of charges against all remaining accused. None, none of the 182 charges against 20 people that are, whatever, were announced at a major press conference in 2021, led to a conviction. None. Uh, Last little note here, the TV evangelicals. I cannot believe, I just cannot believe... I'm sorry. I don't think I'm offending any listeners here, but that people can buy that shit. They, they, these these guys who get on TV and you know quote the Bible and and tell you about this and pray and try harder and send money. How can anybody? These are fucking snake oil salesmen. How can anybody be so fucking stupid, gullible, ignorant? Jesus fucking Christ! In His name. Christ should be so alarmed. You assholes! He would shout. Well, maybe he'd be a little more understanding. I don't know. Compassionate. But every time I flick channels and I see one of these guys on, these fucking weasels, God damn. It's just, it's, it's not just them. They're just playing the game. It's all the people who still buy into that shit. Anyway, why, why? You know, I wanted to have a nice time. <laughs> That's why I don't need fucking notes. Just go with it. Go with the mood. Where are you now, dude? You're in Bluffers Park. You got your tea. You're 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 just chilling, looking at your camping cup. You don't mind the rain. You're really comfortable sitting in Sal. You got a stack of Playboy magazines. You're gonna pick one up and you're gonna read. What are we gonna read here? Um, Arthur C. Clarke, maybe. 
No, the John Clelton... No, I read the John Clelton Holmes story already. Oh, Alan Watts. Something about Alan Watts. Yeah, we're going to read about Alan Watts on this May 1972 $1 Playboy. So that's what we're going to do next. Uh, I'm going to shut this down. I I will not go over my 20-minute mark. But, um, you know, happy day on a crappy day. Yeah, I'm glad to have this out. I'm glad it was important for me to, uh, to get this baby out and on the road. Put a few miles on it and check to make sure the generator's running and everything else. I got to, uh, I got a lot of cleaning up to do. Uh, I'm already booked a campsite for May. I got to get it uh, dewinterized before then, I think I mentioned. And get this baby back into uh, ship shape, tip top. Clean this baby up. I know when uh, drinks exploded in my fridge over the winter and uh, spilled all over my rubber matting. Gonna clean all that up. All right, Scarborough dude. Sorry that sometimes I just kind of chatter a little bit too much and uh, don't stay unfocused. I guess the uh, don't stay focused. Um, I did have a thought, and it was you know Ken. You know I'll, I'll lie in bed and I'll wake up and then suddenly I'll have a memory, something from Prince George, or a particular incident. And I think you know that's an interesting little story. Why don't you share more stories from the past instead of the the current now sitting on Bluffers Park. Why don't you have this podcast structured? So you have, all right, you're going to have your health update. Oh, by the way, I'm getting an OT coming to my house next weekend to, uh, well, just follow up. And, uh, yeah, you know, stuff moving. I, I, I have made progress. I have done what I have to do to take care of this, uh, this issue. Um, but, yeah, like sections, you know, separate them with little... Bells <coughs> to um, you know decide this section from this section. Anyway, I've gone on long enough. Uh, I'm going to keep this anyway, even though I'm a little embarrassed about it, and I know it could have been a whole lot better. But it's just, it's your friend Scarborough dude, just trying to do his best without putting in too much effort. That's the secret, boys and girls. That's how you feel good. Don't try too hard. <sighs> Bye for now. Boy, did that ever sound loud. Okay, let's see, boys and girls, it's me back at you. Just after 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it'll be Sunday, March the 26th, 2023. It is a sunny day, much nicer than it was uh, earlier in the weekend. This doesn't sound right. right? Sorry, I'm going to... I fiddled by mistake with the uh, switches here. The mic sensitivity. I, I guess I hope this is okay because <laughs> I don't like to re-record anything. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, I'm sitting in Sal. One of the windows cracked. A little fresh air coming in through the roof vent, and uh, lay down for a while reading my Playboy magazine. This is the uh, another issue. This is the February 1970 issue. And what I like about it is they've got a whole section on sort of the pop and jazz and who would make up, you know, the best band and a little bit of, uh, you know, articles about. I haven't read all, all but I glanced at who are the musicians in the band. I uh, took a picture 
and posts it, but very few people ever even see my tweets. Tweets are, are not the place when you want to share something. Instagram is better because there are fewer. Uh, you post something at any time of the day on uh, Twitter, and it's just gone. It's just gone, like you know, water under the bridge. Bam. Some people see it, some people don't. Unless you go back, like I deliberately do, and look for a, a select list of friends and uh, see what they've posted. But that aside, I've um, read one of the articles. There's another al- article by Albert Toffler uh, called Future Shock. Now, I have that book in my basement, and I'm wondering if this was written maybe, bef- this article was sort of before that book was published, and it was, you know, on his way to writing that book. I'm not sure. I'll have to check the dates of the publication of the book. But uh, anyway, this so this particular magazine, you know, we're talking 53 years ago. Wow, that is a long time, but that is within my lifetime, 1970. Oh, yeah, man. I was in, uh, oh, yeah, I was traveling Europe, 1970. Coming back to work in the summer, get back into university. But the article that fascinated me was Playboy decided to do an interview on drugs. Drugs were a thing. And so they got a list of about maybe 10 people uh, from different backgrounds, um, one of whom was, you know, a real diehard Nixon defender type, you know, anti-all drugs, you know, they're dangerous, people are crazy, they should be locked up. He was a, uh, he would have also been a person uh, in charge of, um, or in support of, um, you know, when they ban alcohol. Forget the word, sorry. Anyway, I was thrilled to see that in this article, some of the people who were responding to the questions that Playboy put out. So this this was over several pages. It was a very extensive article. But where James Colburn, the actor, a fairly young actor back then, uh, well, he was 41, I think, uh, but Ram Das, also known as Richard Albert, who was the... uh, partner of Timothy Leary when they were kicked out of uh, university for their work with LSD and for turning on students. William Burroughs, who anybody who is beat or <laughs> knows about the beats will know about. And um, the person who I just finished reading an article by, uh, Alan Watts, in another Playboy magazine. So this is just, I mean, I am so thrilled. Now, I guess the point I want to make this magazine really was cutting edge in many ways. Like, Time and Life wouldn't do this. They'd do a photo shoot. They'd be very middle of the road. Playboy really dug into these articles. They could really challenge the establishment in here. There, there's, there's another article in this same magazine about military discipline and, and nasty stories of, uh, you know, if you were uh, caught as a homosexual or, or something else, a deviant or refused to obey orders what they could get away with within the military. And so this was an interview with people who had somehow, you know, were free to be open about what had happened to them or they knew happened to others. But it was a really nasty exposure, and there's a lot of stuff, again, uh, I mentioned before about in support of black musicians, which you'll see in this jazz article, and um, anti-war stances and so on. It, it's quite fascinating. So I am going to read a few quotes from you, for you, 
from my favorites um, because I think they're they're quite quite impressive that um, they they were just so clearly able to express themselves in this magazine. Again, I'm going back 1970. Of course, I mean everybody's getting high, uh, but in a mainstream magazine, which is what I'm calling Playboy. To have actually taken a stance and said, okay, let's really explore this issue. Let's bring in some experts here. So here is Burroughs. And just forgive me while I read out a few of these because I think it's important for me to share what's, what's important to me. All these laws result from misinformation, mismanagement, and what can only be called deliberate bad intentions. You remember that famous junkie, Sherlock Holmes. He never had cops sniffing around his digs looking for the needle. And that was before the invention of permissiveness. The present hysteria on the subject of drugs has been fomented by the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, local narcotics agencies, and the sensationalism of the press. Drug control is a thin pretext and getting thinner to increase police powers and to brand dissent as criminal. The pretense of looking for narcotics gives the authorities the right to search any person or premises at any time, and the police are continually lobbying for more anti-narcotics laws and stiffer penalties. Many of the laws passed under this pressure are very dangerous to our so-called freedom. In some states, for instance, it is a crime to be an addict, penalizing a state of being, apart from any proven illegal act, sets a precedent that could be extended to other categories of offenders, quotation marks, including anyone opposed to official policies. To classify all opposition as, opposition as criminal is, of course, a simple device by which a fascist regime takes over a country. Remember, this is the America that's at war in Vietnam, okay? The standard practice of forcing young people to become informants under the threat of prison sentences if they don't cooperate, or of undercover agents encouraging narcotics violations in order to run up a score of arrests, pose a threat to common decency and an American way of life in which one could reasonably take pride. Now, I don't know how much of that you processed from my reading, but bam, that is a powerful statement and clearly expressed. And this is William Burroughs, who so many tried just to dismiss, the you know, author of the book, The Junkie, and who tried all these other drugs and, and you know, was a degenerate homosexual, bad influence on people. Uh, that is really, wow, a brave statement. And uh, it just, it fills me with joy. And reading that, uh, so we're going to move on then from Alan to Alan Watts next. And I already talked about Alan Watts in the previous clip. Um, Watts, but I don't think the police should be involved in drugs at all, nor with any other moral or medical problem, such as abortion, that the individual should take to his doctor or his minister. The police have enough work to keep them busy regulating automobile traffic, preventing robberies and crimes of violence, and helping lost children and little old ladies find their way home. As long as the police confine, their cell, confine themselves to such activities, they are respected friends of the public. But as soon as they begin inquiring into people's private morals, they become nothing more than armed clergymen. 
And this is very unfortunate in view of our tradition of separation of church and state. We don't want cops who are simply preachers with guns. It is a result it says as a result of this kind of thinking that police today are detested by enormous numbers of people and regarded as upholders of the most reactionary attitudes. It's very unkind to police as dedicated men to put them in that sort of position, preventing certain types of personal pleasure that cannot hurt anyone else. The government is not supposed to be a kind of universal nursemaid. Again, that's Alan Watts, another very, very powerful statement, and and so much so. And and you you've got to think about. I mean, this was the time of Nixon calling Timothy Leary the most dangerous man in America, and just hating was going to do anything to discredit that man and lock him up. The fear, the paranoia of these people who are cigarette smokers and alcoholics and speed freaks, a lot of them, that comes up in this article. People making foreign policy so busy that they had to have barbiturates to keep themselves going, you know, and yet they are the ones preaching against, oh my God, the young people are going to be uprising against us, so we better lock them up if they smoke drugs and scare them. Um, Ram Das is a little... Uh, a little follow-up. Again, I've, I've picked my favorites, Leary, Watts, and Ram Dass. I also think such practices are ill-advised because they just increase the paranoia of human beings toward one another. The lack of respect for the privacy and dignity of the individual in this society is a sign of the sickness of the times. So here, 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 I'm just so impressed with these people. Um, I think I'm going to find, I think I've got one more conclusion. My God, this article goes on. I've read the whole thing, and it's wonderful. Uh, page 200, that's the, we're getting right near the end here. Flipping through 200, here we are. And I'm going to end with um, Watts, I think it was Watts. Yeah. Possession of any drug shouldn't be a crime. And I hope Congress will realize this. The effect of making simple possession into a felony is that I can get rid of any business rival rival or any neighbor I dislike merely by planting something on him and then making an anonymous phone call to the police. This is Kafkaesque. The law should state clearly that nobody can be prosecuted for what is found on his person or in his home unless there is clear-cut evidence that he was about to sell it. Speaking pragmatically, I also think that legalization of possession is in the wind because the cigarette companies are sure to recognize the commercial possibilities and put their lobbyists to work. As for other drugs, I'm sure the government will continue severe restrictions on heroin, amphetamines, and LSD. But as far as LSD is concerned, such laws will do no good since acid is completely odorless, colorless, tasteless, and generally undetectable. The laws will merely escalate black market operations, putting more bad acid into circulation and creating more bad trips. Young people will go on taking it anyway, despite these risks. Now, here's the punchline. What I personally would advise is allowing Sandoz laboratories, laboratories where LSD was created, to sell it to the psychedelic, to psychedelic institutes, 
where it would be researched, administered by properly trained physicians. There we go. So, uh, I, I mean, I had to share that because it, it just, I just, these are my heroes. This is my belief system. This is who I am. And I see the horror of that America back then during the time of the Vietnam War and, and why people were in the streets protesting and the horror that was going on. Um, the fact that they banned LSD, made it illegal when it wasn't, and short shortened, eliminated 20, 30 years of valuable research until only now it's begun to come back in to realize, my God, we can do this for PTSD, we can do this for alcoholism, we can do this for treatment, we can do this for psychotic behavior. This is a valuable tool, LSD and other drugs like this. We need these and we need to research these and make use of them. And this fucking Nixon administration and others that followed kept this thing out of the hands of universities, doctors, uh, research institutes, and so on. And, and this to me is just one of the great crimes of the, uh, of the last century. Um, and the thing is, I think we still have to look at America today and say, okay, well, what else is going on that uh, really we should be challenging? And now you look at this reactionary thing about look what's happening to abortions. Look what's happening with its extreme political reactionary people. This is the same, but all the stuff I talked about or just read about here is coming back with people who are, you know, diehard Bible thumpers who are ignorant and, and not in the least bit Christian but trying to bring back these values and lock up ne'er-do-wells and, and rebels and, and so on. And, oh, anyway, we, we don't want to go there, do we? But uh, I, I just had to share with you, this is my discovery, like rediscovering the value of Playboy magazines. I'm not hearing about that from anybody else. I'm, maybe there are others out there. I tried to do research. Where can I buy some other old copies? Because this is gold. <coughs> And it used to be, if you found an old used store, uh, there was one I used to frequent often. It may have, been where I, may have been where I got these. I don't know. You could go through, and they would have racks and stacks of old Playboys, and you could you could pick them out. Now I think they're probably harder to find. But uh, I would like to pick up a few more, I'll tell you that. So if any of you out there in listener land happen to have a few older, and I'm, particularly I'm looking for the you know 60s and 70s, uh, Playboy magazines, uh, I'm interested, and it's not for the pictures, and uh, I don't want anything with sticky pages. Thank you. Scarborough Dude signing out from uh, Sal on a beautiful day. And, um, oh, yeah, I know, one more thing. I listened back to an episode from about a year ago, and it was interesting enough to me. It was just at the start of the... Uh, the Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Oh, yeah, and so that made news, and that's what I was talking about. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting little bit of history. And then my son had just visited, and was all about that. And I realized, holy shit. Thank you, MMD, for pointing this out. These are a real record of our times of my life, of things that I, I value. And there is some importance to it. Whether it is to anybody else, I do, it doesn't matter. How many listeners I have, doesn't matter. The fact that my listenership is probably continually decreasing rather than going, you know, leveling or, or increasing. There's probably more people with less time. It doesn't matter. 
I fucking love the Dixon Janes podcast. I'm really proud. This is my life's work. And I, I feel good about that. And I listen back and I, I thought, man, God damn. That was just a year ago. And it was me walking with my walking poles. And that was a year later. Oh, no, now I'm using a roller. I'm, uh, things have changed. Life moves on. Your, your life changes. Things, nothing stays the same. But to have this sort of moving picture, which is these weekly podcasts, this, this moving history, I'm pretty excited about that and pretty damn proud of it. And it is something I will leave behind. It is a legacy. So there you go. Me just uh, touting my own horn. Tout? Can you tout your horn? You can toot your horn. Can you tout? tout? What does tout mean? I've forgotten already. Uh, anyway, also, one more thing. It is about Scarborough. So many of my of what I talk about are Scarborough-related issues. So I, I would be happy if I had a few more Scarborough listeners who said, oh, yeah, there's a podcast from a guy called Scarborough, dude, and he talks about Scarborough and Bluffers Park and Thompson Park and the B&A Bakery and uh, all this stuff. Yeah. All right. Signing off. Thanks for listening, as always. And, uh, God, I hope this, I don't know, I've changed the settings. I hope this isn't too hard on your ears. But what I was trying to eliminate is that (laughs) heavy breathing sound that Tom really, really upsets Tom. I think he's afraid I'm going to die suddenly. Just one breath too many, and then, uh uh-oh, bam, choke, gasp, hands at the throat, I'm dead. Well, <laughs> I, can, I can say that because I did end up on the floor of his bar once and I had to be carried into the kitchen. <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not that far-fetched. Love you, Tom. You are a fine man and I'm very, very happy to have you as a friend. And uh, I hope you out there are still listening, you and your wonderful fog lounge and all the shit that you do to uh, make Windsor a better place. Good for you, man. You too will go down in history. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. Oh, you want the bell? All right, we'll do the bell. It's the big loud bell from the road track. It, it really rings. Until I kissed ya How did I exist Until I kissed ya Never had you on my mind Now you're there all the time Never knew what I missed Till I kissed ya Uh Uh-huh, I kissed ya I kissed ya Uh-huh My life's not the same Now that I kissed ya Oh yeah Mmm, you got a will about ya Now I can't live without ya Never knew what I missed Till I kissed ya Uh-huh I kissed ya Yeah.
for the intro, Paul. Oh, boy. Scarborough Dude back at you. It uh, is a very rainy Monday morning. End of of March. It is the 27th today, I think. Yeah. Um, Rainy, rainy, rainy. And I'm here at uh, Thompson Park. The snow has almost all gone. Like, inside the park, you don't see any snow. All we see is where it's been plowed in the, um, you know, parking lot area. But too damn rainy to get out. And I also realized, like, when I'm using my roller, for want of a better word, yet I still don't have it, um, going down hills is really creepy. Like, it's just, it's just, like, this thing gets away from you. And you got to put the brakes on, and you think, well, you can't just keep the brakes on all the time, and they'll completely wear out. Um, but it's it's really scary. I, I don't, I'm not fully comfortable with this thing yet. And I realize this. I mean, the first part where I start off is a huge downhill, and then another giant uphill at the end of it. So it's it's not an ideal place to uh, to go out for a walk with my roller. It was fine with the. Um, you know, walking poles when I could do that, but I can't do that no more. And I'll tell you why. I've just come back from the doctor, uh, my neuro, my neurologist, and my God, I like this doctor. I've mentioned her before. I don't have to give the name, but uh, she is just fantastic. Like, she cares. Um, at the very end, after we had gone through everything, she, she asked, well, how was your wife's visit to Japan? Like, and I thought, gee, we didn't talk about that. She remembered that from last time or would have made mental notes, but she knew uh, enough to, to ask and, you know, explain the situation and so on. Anyway, um, this was a follow-up because I had had, uh, had uh, nerve conduction tests. I had the MRIs. And this was a follow-up to say, okay, where are we at? What's, what's next now that I, I have this uh, device that helps me keep my balance 
and my leg is not improving. There's there's far less pain. I only have an irritating kind of pain that comes up, sometimes a little worse than others, but seldom now do I need to put take a pain medication for it. Um, so we went through. I had prepared very carefully. Yes, what? Yes, this is going to be a health update because that's what this podcast has become. Because this is who I've become. This is me, and this is uh, this is for real. This is for me. <laughs> this is what's shaping my future. So I, it's not something I'm going to just gloss over. It's not a, a cold that'll you know be be done with next week. Um, she very kindly gave me the uh, results of both the MRI and the nerve conduction uh, test. You know, they, they printed out what those specialists had sent to her, and she printed off copies from me, and I really appreciate that. My own doctor, I guess from my family doctor, he just sort of said, well, maybe surgery. And, of course, the result today was also maybe surgery. Um I'll get back to that point. But there was something I did want to read, and this was over the um, the nerve conduction, uh, the physical exam. The patient is well-appearing. I love that. I, I mean, I always dress up. I shower before a doctor. I, I put on clean clothes. I want to be at my best. I don't want them saying, oh, my God, this, this old bum has let himself go, you know, tobacco-stained thumb and forefinger and, uh, you know, Shirt untucked and smelling socks. No, 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 no. Hey, I'm still in control of my life. I can still do things. So I'm always well-groomed when I go to doctor or dentist. Anyway, the patient is well-appearing. So there you go. (laughs) The patient is alert, attentive, and oriented. Speech is clear and fluent with good comprehension. (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing. I mean, that's the best news. Well, good. You know, I'm glad I passed all those things, you know. It'd be horrible to read. No, I couldn't understand anything he was saying. He didn't understand me. No, no. He's alert, attentive, and oriented. All right. However, when we get to the cranial nerves, the screening uh, cranial nerve exam is unremarkable. Eye movements are normal in all cardinal planes. Okay. No evidence of Horner syndrome. I don't know what Horner syndrome is. <laughs> oh, I don't know why it's funny. I don't want to think so. I don't want to know. Uh, but, of course, I'll Google it when I get home. Normal facial symmetry. Well, this is good. And uh, facial strength, right? Symmetrical palate. So, you know, I, I, outwardly, I, I look pretty normal. Um, there's got to be something in here when they do the attestment. All right. So they give my full name, a 70-year-old who presents with a history of severe polyneuropathy and lumbosacral radiculopathy from spinal stenosis with previous laminectomy and long-standing left leg weakness and drop foot. So there you go. That's what I got. Okay? Did you catch all that? You don't have to. I, but I need to see it in black and white. I've got a history. This is not something new that's come up. It's only just suddenly, for some reason, got a lot worse. But I have this long-term history. Um, Though the pain is improving, he still has difficulty with ambulation. There you go, ambulation. Uh, And balance, and is walking with a walker. There we go. Um, So, anyway... That's That was just the nerve conduction tests, and uh, there's more to this report, but you don't need to know all of that. Um, 
is quite thorough and quite wonderful. Um, and there you go. So, all right, that was nerve conduction. So basically he did see, I mean, there was uh, the MRI C-spine show. This is from the last time I had uh, um, a spinal, I had MRI on my spine. That was down in October 2016, so a long time ago, approximately six months following a laminectomy in February 2016. So I did have back surgery where they scrape away stuff on your back to, to give more room for the spine and the nerves. And what's happened is I have less room now. It's degenerated. There's more pressure on the nerves and in the spine. And that's what's causing uh, some of the pain and um, the the deadening of the nerves, right? They don't have a clear path. Um, the multi-level distance is going to advance. All right. Anyway, I don't need to read any more of that. But I will read from the MRI results and uh, this is a little more serious. It's between the L3 and the L5. Um, patient post status, post previous L3 posture decompression, advanced, here we are, the impression, advanced multi-level degenerative changes of the lumbosacral spine as described. And he mentioned specifically which areas, most notably at L3 to 4. Anybody who's had back pain will know where that is. With there is severe, all in bold letters, all in caps, severe central canal lateral recess stenosis with impingement. This is the key here. With impingement of the traversing nerve roots. This is a significant progression compared to 2016. Surgical opinion recommended. So there we go. That's the bottom line. Um, the people looking at this after the MRI, their recommendation is um, this guy should see a, a surgeon because there's this damage here. And it implies it, it's gotten a lot worse since the last time and will probably get worse again. And who knows if it gets worse Will that mean I just won't have any use left in that left leg or, or what? So there we go. That's a patient's copy. And I'm, I'm glad of that. And I'm sharing that with you. Um, the doctor, the end result, and again, for those, you know, at home who are following this, I'm sorry if you're not. And it's just a lot of words. But for me, it is my life and my future. Um, she is recommending me to a back surgeon. And he will decide, number one, if he's just got too many people already, such a, a backup and doesn't even want to take on a new patient, in which case she'll sit, refer me to another surgeon. But unfortunately, I would be at a different hospital. I'd rather stay in Scarborough. Uh, so that's number one. She will, she will make a referral, and then that surgeon will decide whether it is worth having another open back back surgery where they try and scrape away and maybe put in screws or something to allow the nerves to, to have a little more room uh, because now they're just continually being pinched and the, and the further they're pinched, I guess, the more uh, problems I will continue to have. So that's the result. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not good news. And there's a part when I read it in black and white, it was ready to, you know, I heard a little voice in my, said, in my head said, it's okay to cry a little. You can cry a little because it, 
it, it's, it was kind of a, well, it's literally a reality check. This is the reality. I mean, this voice talking to you is not real. This is just me blabbing away and uh, making the best of everything, which I will continue to have to do. But the reality is this body that contains me, if that's right, um, is deteriorating. And, and it's, it's going to cause more problems. Like the end result, as I walk to the office, yeah, clearly I am always going to need this ambulator uh, thingy. Uh, that's not going to go away. This is not going to get better. It doesn't matter how much physiotherapy I do or how many drugs I take. That's only to treat the symptoms uh, and to keep me from falling down. But nothing is going to improve uh, at all in this point. And, you know, that's that's not clearly it's not happy news it's a reality and so uh, you know when we watch a show on india last night uh man eating a lot of bugs live bugs Ooh. um it was just you know oh, there's a message yeah no i won't be going there no not that i would want to go to the place where he was eating the live bugs um but this is really does limit a lot of opportunities anyway this is not a whining section this was just um, in keeping with me trying to be open and honest and clear just as much to myself or probably more to myself than to anybody who's listening because it doesn't matter all that much to anybody listening. Oh, that's too bad. Poor can, eh? And that's fine. That's normal. You out there, each and every one of you, have your own demons, your own problems. And uh, I know there are people who have... Uh, greater worries than I do uh, in terms of just trying to stay alive comfortably. Um, And, um, you know, everybody, and of course I'm older, I'm 74. Soon, gosh, next month to be 75. And um, most of my listeners I know are a lot longer, so a lot longer, a lot younger. So who knows what's ahead for you? So again, this is not, not a whining not a poor me and not a, a call out for sympathy by any means. It's just uh, taking stock and finding out where we are. So I think I'm going to leave it at that note. I'm going to come back if I have a different topic, which would be a, a relief. Uh, do I have anything else? Well, here's one. Um, a little news item in passing. They did a survey of Canadians and it was, should speeding fines be dependent on your... Um, your income level, for example, if you have the, the fees should be reduced if you have less income than somebody else. And, and I guess the reverse would be true. The more income you have, maybe the higher your speeding fine. What a ridiculous concept. Fuck you. Don't speed. Don't get caught. Don't do it. Doesn't matter how much money you have. And yeah, it'll impact getting a speeding fine for a speeding fine. Not taxes, a speeding fine. Don't speed. There's nothing to do with rich or poor. Oh, I'm poor and I, you know, my car doesn't have a speedometer, so I didn't know how fast I was going. No, no, don't drive if you don't have a speedometer. Drive according to the law. I don't know. And, and why they even covered this on the news. It was something crazy, like, but two-thirds of Canadians are in favor of this. Come on. Jesus, is there nothing else on the news? That is the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Are we getting stupid? All right, I'm going to stop there and go back to enjoying my coffee, so... Uh... I forgot to add, um, even if I had back surgery, it won't fix the problem. It just may stop it from getting worse. 
It's not going to suddenly I'm not going to get, oh, my God, I can walk again. I don't need a stroller. It's not going to fix any of that. That damage has been done, um, but it may prevent things from getting worse. That will happen regardless with or without surgery. So it's not a, it's not a, a fix-all, and I'm certainly leaning towards no, don't even bother having surgery. Uh, there are just too many risks involved, especially for a second time going in there to your fucking spine. Oh, my God. All right. Bye.